today um so this part is somewhere off kicking it having fun you know like he like to do i'm here with uh marquel what's up with you brother well we love a dub dub to everybody who celebrates i am okay i'm only okay because we're 24 hours away from kickoff so i'm just yeah, we're, we're recording this right now it's uh 10 o'clock on a friday so by the time you hear this it'll probably be tomorrow saturday um either right before Colorado kicks off and destroys Nebraska, or it'll be towards the nightcap. So, yeah, we're about 24 hours away from the return of Eagles football, man. How you feeling, bro? What's 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 the vibes on the season? Focus, man. Focus. This isn't a, a typical season. And I kind of felt – I kind of feel similar, if you get what I'm saying, to how I felt in 2018. Where 2018, the difference between how I feel now and then is – the team is generally healthy. Like, I'm sure everybody's seen the injury report. We have no injuries to report. I mean, it's Josh Job and Mario Goodrich who were sick, and they all practice in pool today. So everybody's healthy. But in 2018, it was, damn, got to get the team healthy. We're missing this guy. we wait until this guy get back, this, this, and that. But in the terms of how I view the season as a whole, it was more just focus. I mean, of course, a bit more focused this year because we didn't come away with the Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy. But I'm just trying to – I don't think people understand how hard it is to repeat that task or get back to that platform, man. And, I mean, I speak to a lot of people. A lot of people ask me, yeah, how you think y'all going to do? Y'all going back to the Super Bowl? And, I mean, it's so easy to sit there and say yes. It's so easy to be like – yeah, you see the rest of the NFC, but if we're being realistic, I mean, yeah, the roster looked good last year, but it all came down to Jalen Hurts, and nobody was willing to say, or I don't want to say nobody, but there weren't many people who were willing to say that the Eagles belong in the Super Bowl. So I'm sure there are a couple teams out there like that this year where the rosters look good. It's just I'm not sure how y'all feel or so about a quarterback. It's just – Keeping the main thing the main thing, man. How about yourself? Man, I, I honestly, bro, I feel I feel good. Um, you know, like you said, looking across the NFC, at least right now on paper, I don't see many teams that can match up uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe one or two, those being the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, outside of those teams, I, I really don't see, like I said, a team that can match up with them in the NFC. Um, you know, you talked about 2018 and I don't know, I just think, you know, it, it feels different, um, heading into this year, coming off of last year's Super Bowl appearance compared to, what you say? Well, yeah, that, but I don't know. I feel, I feel more confident in, in this unit. You feel me? Like, I don't know if it's because of Jalen or just because this team has more all around talent. Um, yeah, it just, it just feels different. So, I mean, I know this wasn't on our itinerary, but just spitting the bull with you for a second. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier on, and I mean, God forbid any of all this happens, but we've seen 
I'm sure all of us watched the first game yesterday as Detroit upset the Kansas City Chiefs. And a lot of which the circumstances that came out of the game was, I mean, wow, Patrick Mahomes is so talented and Travis Kelsey is really damn good, probably the best all-time in his position to some. But you take him away and that team really, like, it really wasn't much of anything. And it amazed me specifically how a team like that, like that just goes to show how good those two players are first and foremost. But how a team specifically like that could lose one guy and it kind of all falls to shreds. So it made me, it made me build the conversation where they was like, well, we're good enough. We wouldn't be like that. We got the roster pieces to be better. We like, if we lost one again, God forbid, if we lost one of the guys, we'd be okay. And I was quick to say, well, let's, let's just hypothetically speaking, let's say that guy was AJ Brown. Again, God forbid. And we've seen this team that kind of, I mean, we got different running backs now, kind of, sort of. But we've seen as we've seen this team as currently constructed without AJ Brown. And I mean, that was basically the missing piece. And I, of course, we got enough pieces. Like we got Dallas Goddard, we got Devonta Smith. Of course, like we just mentioned, the running backs. We got some of the pieces to make it happen. But it also, like, it seemed like A.J. Brown was the piece that put this team over the top. That's why this mm-hmm. team looked like it was. So do you think this team could afford to lose a piece? I mean, shit, we got four wide receivers, bro. Yeah, that, and that's one of the things I sent in uh, the group chat the other day. I don't like the fact that they only kept four wide receivers on the roster. But at the same time, you know, like you said, you look good. You look around the offense outside of AJ, and you've got guys like Devontae, uh, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, who they seem to like a lot out of the backfield as a receiving threat. You got your uh, guy in Rashad Penny. You got a guy in Boston Scott. So I don't think that um, – how can I put it? His if, – if, God forbid, again, if something was to happen to AJ, his absence would definitely be felt because he is such a reliable um, passing target, you know, on third down, third and short, um, either even down the field, he's such a reliable guy. But at the same time, like I do feel like they have the guys um, on the roster that would make it to where it's not such a huge uh, absence. I can agree to an extent, to an extent, man. It, it just was more so a question of, how the importance of one, how one player can mean to an offense. Cause yeah. I mean, I started seeing things across the universe, like, oh, look, maybe Eric, Andy Reid isn't that good without Eric being and me, even though we know that's not really the case, man. And things like that. Like, come on, man. We all know our uh, history with Andy Reid and extra weeks having the opportunity to draw up a game plan. I'm sure he probably mm-hmm. had everything ready, but having to draw up something on the fly because you're, Keep target gets injured a day and a half before the game probably isn't. And not only not only your key target gets injured, but apparently Kadarius Tony and Scott Moore forgot how to play the game of football. Brother, I just feel, I don't want to say I feel bad because I mean, it is what it is. What happened to Tony? But brother, so your team drop. It was the Chiefs had four drop passes on the day, bro, and Tony dropped three of them. Like. My goodness, 
you cannot make this type of stuff up. And, and don't not even mentioning that one of those drop passes resulted in a pick six. It was like, jeez. And a lot of the drops, from what I remember, were like routine catches. Like uh, the one, I think it was in the fourth quarter to Sky Moore that he dropped. Like it was a routine catcher, wide open. Like the ball hits you in your hands, you got to make that catch. It's crazy how much a specific player, not even just one, specific players could mean to a game plan. And I mean, shout out to the play callers and the coaching staffs who can make those type of adjustments specifically on the fly without a player. But things like that, I tell you, man, you work on something all week and then you just got to scrap everything on the fly. It's kind of unbelievable. So, as we touched on, uh, week one is 24 hours away, and the Philadelphia Eagles have a game, a real game, a meaningful game on Sunday. I'm going to head up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots on, what is it, Tom Brady's Hall of Fame? What is I he entering no freaking idea, bro. All I know is the schedule came out, and like three weeks later, they was like, it's Tom Brady Day. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is Tom Brady Day? Like, let me get this straight. You're going to have a Tom Brady day the year after he retired from another team and bought another team. But you still going to – Tom Brady going to go to three games in one day. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. How is Tom – like, what day do the Raiders play? How does Tom Brady even make this game for Tom Brady day if he's a, a, a partial owner of the Raiders? I mean, I'm sure he talked to, uh, to the game. what's his what's his name, uh, Mark Davis. Shouldn't you go to the game? You got a job <laughs> to do, brother. You would think, but it's a uh, 4:25 kickoff. Um, just to hop into the injury report here, um, you know, like you touched on previously, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles—they're relatively healthy. The only um, injuries that they had were uh, Josh Job and Mario Goodrich, both of whom practiced full on Friday. Um, for the Patriots, it's kind of the complete opposite. Um, I know that they placed their right tackle, Riley Reef on the IR um, on Monday. They're starting right guard. I'm going to try not to butcher his name. Mike on Winu. How do you say it? Uenu. Uenu. Okay. He was limited all week with an ankle injury. He's listed as questionable. Um, the left guard, Cole Strange, he was also limited all week with a knee. He's questionable. Um Devontae Parker, he was limited all week. He's listed as questionable. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, he didn't practice on Friday. They said he's suffering from some sort of illness. Um, he's listed as questionable. And starting corner, Jack Jones, who was dealing with hamstring injury all week, he's listed as out. So more than likely, um, rookie Christian Gonzalez and uh, Jonathan Jones are going to get the start at corner for them. That ain't bad. That's the problem. No. Like the Patriots usually run so deep at corner where it's like, oh, that's okay. Now, if we can get a quality game out of Quiz Watkins, that it, like if they were playing the Bengals right now, it would be like, oh, what are the Patriots going to do? They're missing a the cornerback. But my focus is probably more so on so if let's just say, assumingly, Gonzalez sees a lot of Devonta Smith. I'm assuming all of these young cornerbacks are going to see a lot of Devonta Smith. 
maybe with the exception. And I mean, of course, he don't play him yet. So by the time he plays him, but maybe with the exception of like a Joey Porter Jr. Because maybe he got the physical build to match up against the AJ. But a lot of these corners from this class probably would match up against Devonta. Where on the other side, you probably have Johns and Jones matched up against AJ. That's something interesting to watch. But the safety position, man. Of course, looking at their depth chart, man, I was trying to get a good view on it the other day. And, of course, no, starting with the fact that Devin McCourty retired. So, they kind of replacing the free safety position. And, I mean, what Devin McCourty mean, meant to that Patriots defense cannot be understated. He was basically like the play caller, all of the good things and like the importance he played there. Like how they replace him is something I'm interested to see, but not even just that because I know they typically like to use Kyle Duggar as more of the roamer. Now, mm-hmm. I also see they signed Jabril Pepper, so it's not like they don't have per- the personnel in place as a whole, but how do they match up with Dallas Goddard is my question. I think uh, Jabril Peppers, he's going to be the guy that they look to, which I lean Dallas Goddard in that matchup. I mean, it's a 50-50 thing. Dallas should win because he's the bigger, like, more physically gifted player there. At the same time, you know Jabril ain't no sucker. He going oh, no. to play every rep like it's his last, and he's going to try to get a stop as he can, so – I mean, I like to think it's going to be like that's a really good signing for the Patriots, bringing him, a guy like him in and just having a guy like that on the roster and match with a guy like Kyle I mean, of course, we didn't even mention Jalen Mills. They Jaylen have a Mills, bunch yeah. of guys who can, back, who can match up man-to-man, zone coverage, however you want to go about it. They're very hybrid, which is something the Patriots have always been. But, again, which brings me back to the whole – they move around Kyle Duggar a whole lot, so it made me want to see how did they want how would they attack Goddard. But you say you think that'll be the task of Jabril Peppers. I think it'd probably be a little bit of both between Peppers and um, Mills. I think they're gonna. It wouldn't surprise me if they use Duggar as more of a spiral trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to contain Jalen Hurts. You don't think Jabril is better suited for that, athletically speaking? I mean, possibly. It's possibly. Like, Jabril is probably more agile. In the suit, yeah, built in the suit of a cornerback was how I was going to put it, but agile is a better way to say it. At the same time, I mean, when I look at a guy who going to get to the football, Jabril to get to the football is all about bringing Jalen down at that point. When you look at a guy like Kyler, Kyler may not be the fastest or anything, but if he can keep the game in front of him, not, not let Jalen get to a point where it's an angle versus angle battle because he won't win that fight. But if it's a keep Jalen in front of you, don't let him get anywhere, just pursue. I think he'd do a pretty good job at, ju- at just keeping Jalen wrapped up, contained, and things of that nature. And again, it all comes down to play call and then what they do to put get Jalen out on the move and things of that nature. But just in base offense, I think Kyle Doug Kyle Doug will probably be my my pick to cover Jalen. Yeah. And then uh, moving up front um, onto the Patriots defensive line, uh, Josh Uche and Matthew Judon both finished with double-digit sacks last year. Um, you know, typically whatever guy is matched up on Lane Johnson, he's, you know, typically erased from the 
from the uh, the entire game. Um, but leaning on to uh, Jordan Malata's side, um, how do you think our offensive, the Eagles' offensive line is going to fare against their edge rushers? See, I I think as a, a, a whole throughout the game, the Eagles' offensive line should play well. My problem with New England, like I said, a, a hybrid team is mm-hmm. figuring out exactly what they're what they doing. Right. How exactly are they going to attack you? And, I mean, it's one thing where you playing against a specific team and you like, oh, how are they going to attack me? You come out mm-hmm. and you go through your first 15 scripts and you see cover four six times, cover three two times, and you're like, okay, they're going to play primary quarters. The Patriots will literally play something three times, something three times, and something three times where it's like you will never identify what they're breaking out towards you. And, I mean, that just goes to show you how, how smart Bill Belichick is and how good he is, especially against young quarterbacks, man. That's that's really one of the good matchups I'm looking forward to, Bill Belichick in his man games with Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's already started with how do you plan on containing Jalen Hurts? How do you contain him? He's one of the best players in football. And then I know you guys heard Bill Belichick speak on Jalen, but the, the man games, the – the things have already started, and the football game hasn't even started yet. So to see how Bill handles Jalen is really what I'm looking for. Yeah, um, I have it pulled up right here. Uh, I think um, these games were last year um, against mobile quarterbacks. Um, week three against the Ravens, Lamar Jackson rushed 11 times for 107 yards and a touchdown. And then week seven against Justin Fields, um, Fields rushed 14 times for 82 yards and a touchdown. So uh, mobile quarterbacks, at least last year, they had a lot of success against this Patriot defense. Yeah. But like you said, it's all just about seeing, you know, what exactly Bill Belichick has in store for Jalen. I mean, I would have to go back and watch the tape on those two games. But the two thing, the, th- the thing that stands out to me and that is probably going to be interesting to watch throughout this game for Philadelphia, because, I mean, from all the accounts that I've heard from the coaching staff and from other reporters, Coaching staff has said, look, we didn't pay – basically, we didn't pay him not to use him. Yeah. So, and coaches – I mean, reporters have basically been saying, well, I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of everything, but what we did see, especially in lanes like the live practice, they were really active in using Jalen Hurts as a runner. So, and when you bring up teams like Baltimore and Chicago, those teams not only have mobile quarterbacks, but their quarterbacks basically – they use them on design runs more than the average football team. So it makes mm-hmm. me wonder well, how much will they break Jalen Hurts out as the runner, and that's not Jalen Hurts scrambling, picking up seven and y- seven yards because the drop back happened and wasn't nobody open or pressure was in his face. Like how team run GT counter and quarterback, uh, yeah, read options and all of those things. Yeah, but that's another thing I think you know that hasn't really been discussed a lot uh, heading into this game. Just uh, you know, last year, you know, we like we've talked about ad nauseum um, on pause throughout the offseason. Last year, Shane Steichen he ran Jalen a lot, like on design and called runs. Um, with Brian Johnson now calling plays, it'll be interesting to see how much he leans into using utilizing Jalen as a rusher, as a pure rusher in terms of you know called quarterback runs versus you know Jalen taking off on his own. And I mean, we like you said, we spoke about it in nauseam. You guys have spoken in volumes about your pleasure to kind of dial back on some of the quarterback design runs. And 
kind of preserve your quarterback. I mean, again, like I said a second ago, the team has mentioned we basically we didn't pay him not to use him. And I I like to think if there was a time, and I mean this could always go again, God forbid, like we had the con- the injury conversation earlier, God forbid anything happened. But if there was a time, if you ask me, to use Jalen Hurts like that. It's probably this year because this is literally the final year of the contract before his mega deal starts to kick in. So other soon, like the day after this season ends, Jalen Hurts is worth fifty plus million dollars a year. We haven't quite reached that point yet when he is in the contract and things of that nature. So I mean, of course you gotta protect your investment at the same time. I mean, are you a bit more willing this year? Like you don't do you basically do you think teams have ropes for lack of a better term? Like I, I wouldn't do this this year, but if it doesn't work for me this year, I mean I'll probably dial back for dial back on it or any or something. And it's not because it's not working, but it's just politi- politically keeping a player healthy. I lean more on the side of just protecting your investment, regardless of you know the contract and things of that nature. I think, you know, you want to ensure that Jalen is as healthy as he can possibly be for as long as he can possibly be. Um, but I think, you know, just with, with Brian Johnson um, at the helm calling plays now, which Parth would be more, um, what's the word, apt, I guess, to speak on this. But I think they're going to lean more into Jalen the passer versus Jalen the runner. So, I mean, I guess my, my question to all this would be, and we say this about a lot of teams. Well, I found myself saying this about a lot of teams. Where, what good is your asset if you don't use it worth its value? Basically. Well, so I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying to completely abandon utilizing Jalen as a runner because that's what makes him him. You kind of be trying to, you know, what's the what's the phrase? fit a a square peg into a round hole. Like you have to let Jalen be Jalen at the end of the day, but at the same time, you kind of like finding that gray area between, you know, protecting him and, you know, allowing him to be himself. But I mean, I guess my whole thing is, and I mean, of course, neither one of us are play callers, but as a play caller, how do you find that gray area between protecting him while also getting into the flow of, a game and you understand and what's working what's not working and him running is basically working but uh, like you don't want to limit your team Mm because you're trying to quote unquote protect your investment and take off the table i mean of course you said you don't want to completely abandon it but you have you basically how i look at games like that is it's bad enough when you got a coach against as an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. It's bad enough when you got a coach against the person on the other side. But once you start coaching against them and yourself, you have no chance to win a game. And I feel like what you laying out is laying out a circumstance to coach against them and yourself, where finding a fine line between how much is too much and when's the right time and things of that nature, instead of just letting play call and flow in, is where I'm getting to. I mean, it's understandable, and you know, we have a guy who's a who's a routine guest on our pod who would be more apt to speak about this. Cough, cough. You coach, if he, you know, shows himself again on the face of the earth. But, um, 
you know, I I agree with you. Um, I think, you know, if you lean too much into it, it does become a bit of a thing where it's like you're coaching against the opposing team and yourself. But I think it's all in good faith, you know, in terms of, you know, trying to keep Jalen healthy and, you know, um, yeah, keep him as healthy for as long as possible. So since we're speaking on just week one matchup, how do you feel like these two teams match up against each other, man? I mean, of course, we discussed the injury reports and all the things of that nature. We discussed how the New England Patriots have up a hybrid defense, so it's going to be hard enough trying to figure out what they're doing. I mean, we have yet to mention how, what exactly do we think is happening on the offensive end with New England. I mean, last year they didn't have a real offensive coordinator. This year they brought back Bill O'Brien. I mean, I'm sure some people are fans of that. If you're a Patriots fan, you're probably a big fan of it. If you're not a Patriots fan, you're probably like, why him? But probably, I'm, me personally, I'm, I'm a fan of the hire. I mean, first of all, foremost, they got a real offensive coordinator in the building. But, I mean, B.O.B., the, the play caller was never the issue. Again, like I speak about about Kyle Shanahan and like I speak about about Chip Kelly, some of these people need to know their role. Stop trying to be general managers and play callers. You can just be a coach, and that's okay. I mean, I understand he worked under Bill Belichick. I get it. He that's he thought he wanted to build his build his perfect roster. You understand what you're not good at now. Adapt to your flaws. But him as a play caller, I do think that's really good for Mac Jones. Then when my concern steps in is the weaponry they have to operate with. I mean, the running back room is good, assuming that Ramondre Stevenson plays, of course. I mean, we know that they signed Ezekiel Elliott back in the number 15. Good to see. Go Bucks. And after that, it's like, now what? I mean, they got they got a Juju, Devontae Parker. Who, who are the other receivers? Hey, Sean Boutte. Yeah, LSU guy. But yeah, I mean, defensively, because, um, you know, we talked about the offensive end for the Eagles. Um, in this game, defensively, I think the key for Philadelphia is just get home. Get, let your pass rush get home. Um, you know, we talked about the amount of injuries that the Patriots are dealing with up front. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be a huge Hassan Reddick game, um, especially when you consider Mac Jones. He isn't the most mobile guy. Um to me, in this game, I think the, the key is simple. Um, you stop the run, you limit Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, you make Mac Jones beat you with his arm, throwing to the weapons or like the rub that the Patriots um, possess. And you depend on your pass rush to win to win you the game. So, actually, me personally, I'm on the opposite side of that spectrum. And, I mean, I'm going to tell you all this now. Remember, I said this on the early season podcast, the preseason review, basically. This could either mean everything or it could mean a whole lot. Sorry if you hear my wife. I got her in there watching college football. She's having fun. I love to see it. Hey, our boys is goals, bro. I don't know how many times I got to tell you. (laughs) But, I mean... I personally think, like I said, it's either going to mean everything or it's going to mean nothing. I won't be able to tell you until probably midway through the season, maybe even the end. But as we know, Hassan Reddick is due for a contract after this season. 
They didn't select Nolan Smith for it, no reason. And I mean, yeah, I know the Eagles got 54 million in cap space, assuming all that money would be for guys like Landon Dickerson, Devonta Smith, Nolan Reddick. I mean, I just mixed them. Hassan Reddick. But like I said, they didn't draft Nolan Smith for a reason. And it wouldn't surprise me if they used the game like week one. How I see it is the closer the game is, the more Hassan plays. If we can even remotely pull away, they're going to sit him. Because, I mean, especially if he coming off that wrist surgery, just want to make sure he's 100%. I mean, they want him to play. They want him to get full-time reps. We don't want you to miss this game. But if we can get Nolan Smith a bunch of real game reps at the same time while keeping you healthy, I'm not against it. Definitely not. So that'll be something to keep an eye on exactly how much and how often they rotate them to. Hell, if we even get a, a package with them two on the field together, I doubt it. But just things that are interesting that we to check out for, man. I mean, otherwise on the defensive end for the Eagles, I mean, I don't think we're going to figure out much about this team. Are we going to figure out how good the run defense is early and often? Because, I mean, they got Ramondre, they got Zeke things of that nature. I mean, we spoke about how the wide receiving core isn't that good, so they, you tr- you're going to try to keep the take the ball out of the air, for lack of a better term. So I would like to think we're going to see that. So we're going to see Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and all those guys, Milton Williams, operate early and often. But we're not going to really figure out much about this Eagles team today or that day. Because, I mean, if everything happens how it's supposed to happen or how we assume it happens, I mean, we're just going to be playing keep away for a lot of it. And, again, it's not just – this isn't just me or Pierre saying that, yeah, we're going to waltz our way to a Super Bowl, the Eagles that good. Because I do know there are a lot of people who are trying to pick uh, predict an upset. This is just me personally, and I I can almost guarantee it's like this on the other side with Pierre. Reading this injury report, and, I mean, of course – me and Pierre discussed before we hopped on the difference in how they took away the doubtful and the probables, and now it's just out and questionable. So trying to figure out who's close to playing, who's not close to playing, it's going to be a bit harder. But when you see some of those names on the list, and it's like, even if you do play, when you see some of those injuries, you you don't want to risk re-aggeration. It's the first game of the season. They want to make sure you're taking care of everybody. Like, it, again, it comes down to, like, the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. Is it really worth it right now? And based on what the two injury reports look like, it don't really seem worth it for the Patriots. Where This game might suck this week, but it ain't going to mean nothing in the long run. I mean, we're an NFC opponent. It's not like we're an AFC opponent that's going to hurt towards the playoffs or anything of that nature. It's playing the long game. Yeah, I think it's just as simple in this game. I think it's just as simple as New England not having the horses to keep up with Philadelphia. Like was, I, are you saying that because, like I said, of injury, or do you think they wouldn't have had the horses in general? Just in general, just in general. I feel like the Eagles are from top to bottom. The Eagles are just a more talented football team. I do agree. The Eagles are a more talented football team. I mean, as I said, I mentioned earlier the massive amount of respect I have for Bill Belichick and his defense. Oh yeah, of course. All that he does and things of that nature. The the expectation that I have for Mac Jones to look just even if it's a little bit remotely better than he did last year, just better off the strength that he has a offensive coordinator now. There are things about this Patriots team to respect. 
it just comes down to the rosters at this point. Talent, and I mean, any given Sunday, of course, but what can you say? But before we give our official uh, game predictions and score predictions and things of that nature, um, I came up with a little little activity for us to do. Um, gonna go three, two, one. We're gonna do three true falses for the Philadelphia Eagles season, two more or lesses, and one bold prediction. So, um, did you have true or false, or did did you just want me to come up with mine? And um. I didn't. You can go first, and if I figure something out along the way, we can freestyle it. So, my first true or false, Philadelphia Eagles will have three 1,000-yard pass catchers. True or false? True. I do expect both Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown to eclipse 1,000 yards. I do uh, expect them to regress in yards a bit from what they had last year. But that is because Dallas Goddard shouldn't miss many, if any, games. And those yards that they had in the games that he missed should go to him. And I do think that this is the year. Um, I've said this early in the offseason, early in the offseason, like from the moment the season ended. And I still feel really strong about it up until this point. But this should be the year Dallas Goddard establishes himself as a top three tight end, if that's what he's going to do. Dallas Goddard breakout season alert. I mean, if that's what you want to call it, I mean, as Eagles fans, I like to think he been had a breakout season, but I like to think to the general public, he doesn't get the amount of respect that I think he deserves. Like when you hear people discuss tight ends, how often and how long does it take them to get to Goddard? You usually hear three main names, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and uh, Mark Andrews. And even with Kittle, Kittle's kind of fell back a little bit. It kind of been a, a a conversation of Andrews, Kelsey. Then you might hear some Kyle Pitts, even though his stats haven't been the best. I mean, just off the deck. I mean, then you might hear T.J. Hawkinson. Like there, there are the game names, and I mean, I can respect the names, but I like to think what Dallas Goddard has done over the time. And I mean, it's easy to not get the respect playing next to the guys you playing next to, but he's earned this. All right, and for number two, true or false, the Philadelphia Eagles will be the NFL's last unbeaten team. False. Why? I feel like there's going to be a team that makes it past seven. So looking at the Eagles' schedule, let me get it pulled up here. I got you. We got New, New England, Minnesota, Tampa Bay. Washington, the Rams, and this is where we start to talk. I think we're going to beat the Jets because we never lose to the Jets. Now, again, got to be humble and respectful about it. I mean, it's not like they're the same Jets. It's a different team. But if you beat the Jets, do they beat the Dolphins? And, I mean, think about it like this, how it's a two-sided coin where – you just came off against a game that was probably going to be high emotions against the Jets because that's going to be the first game of the season unless any one of us really think the Vikings game is going to be one of those high-profile games. I mean, yeah, it's a Thursday night game, but unless any of us really think that, the Jets is the first high-profile game on the Eagles' schedule. The first mm-hmm. time we lost to really got to say, let's get up. And the week after that, 
it's the very next game, assuming that Tua is healthy and things of that nature and all that stuff, where, again, the roster going to have to say, let's get up. And it makes it worse that it's the debut of the Kelly Greens and all that. I feel like it's going to be so much emotion into the building where it's easy for one of those two to get lost in the sauce. I don't know. Which I see one. what you. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But again, like we talked about all off season, man. I just from an emotional leadership, uh, just an all around standpoint, I do not feel like Jalen Hurts will, will let this will let anything like that happen. I mean, I I kind of agree with you. I mean, hell, I thought Tim Tebow wouldn't let anything happen like what happened against Ole Miss, but here we are <laughs> up there. And you saw what happened afterwards. Sometimes some of these teams, especially when you're a Super Bowl, the team coming off the Super Bowl and the NFC and the NFC that we just talked about that we don't view as deep, teams start undefeated 4-0, 5-0, where I do think there's an opportunity even under a Jalen Hurts watch. And I don't think he would want it to happen. He's going to try his hardest. It's not going to be his fault that it happened. And that's going to be the wake-up call that everybody needs. Like, he's going to look at their ass when we get back to practice like, what I tell you, y'all ain't hungry enough. Y'all need to get back to work because I've been here. What y'all doing? And it's going to be one of them things where, I mean, it's easy for us to smell ourselves at that point. We, like, are we, we the people going to be talking about us, Eagles second straight, five and no start. Are they the greatest team in football again? It's that and the third. And it, like, it's so easy for all that. that these players love to say they don't listen to it. And, I mean, I like to think a guy like Jalen might not, but a lot of these people listen to it, though. I know. I actively see Devonta Smith – well, not Devonta Smith. I actively see A.J. Brown and Darius Slate on Twitter. I know y'all listen to it. I see y'all. Ain't nothing wrong with it. You ain't never caused no issues about it, but I know y'all. Like, I know it's there. So, I mean, I just – I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm I'm praying that I'm wrong about this. In a perfect world, we go 16 and 0. But I do think there it, there is room. Like when you look at the NFC South, you got teams like the Falcons and stuff like that with the easiest schedule in football and like there there are there is room for another team to become this year's Philadelphia Eagles for lack of a better term. Yeah. And for the final one, uh, Howie Roseman makes a trade for a former pro bowler slash all pro player at or near the trade deadline. Because we know he's going to at least do something. Every year there's some sort of move made. False. False. Okay. We already had the conversation about how the Eagles have $54 million in cap space heading into next offseason. I'm assuming if there's a all pro on the market, he's in cough, need cough, of Aaron Donald. He's probably going to be in need of a. He's first of all, bro. We're not going to get Aaron Donald. They're not trading. He's going to retire a Ram. I mean, he what? He's going to retire a Ram. They might trade him for one season just off the shrimp debt. I mean, we owe you that. This ain't that season. Like. I mean, it sucks that Cooper Cup done went down already and all that, but I like to think they think that they could win some games. They, I like to think that they think that they could go into Seattle week one and win. Relax. I cannot see that happening. I don't either. I'm ready to go gamble tomorrow, but I can see a world where they, like, I'm talking to people that feel real confident, confident and comfortable about that game. And I'm like, 
We'll see. I mean, y'all. Well, I mean, it's 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 a division game, so of course it's going to exactly. be hard. It's, it's going to be competitive. It's a division game, and then they basically they making it like they they kind of turn it into one of them things like us. Take the ball out of the air. Let's find out how good their defense is. They got all those weapons on offense and Geno playing well, and they got those two lockdown cornerbacks, but can they stop the run? Let's take the air out of the football. And I've, I've heard a lot of people speaking volumes about how excited the Cam, I mean, the Rams are about Cam this year. Cameron Akers, if you guys aren't familiar who Cam is, but. He dealt, with, he, he, he dealt with some injuries last year, though, right? I don't think it was last year. It was the year before that. Last before, year, he okay. kind of came back. Oh, no, it was last year. He took, he, didn't he get injured, and then he came back? Like, yeah. No, 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 that was the year before that. He got injured, and then he came back. And then last year was the year that they got mad at him, and he wanted to get a trade or something like that. Okay, yeah, I knew he, there was something going on. Yeah, he did get hurt, though. He came back at the end of the year. It was like an Achilles, and the fact that he even playing as well as he is is a plus. But, all right, let's see if I can cook something up for you, man. True or false? I got three of them, right? All right. True or false? The Eagles will be the five seed in the NFC. The five seed? You got to remember, only only the top four seeds are division winners. Oh, false. We win it. We either win the division or we the five seed. Oh, false, false. You also spoke in volume about how the only other two teams are San Francisco and Dallas. And I mean, of course, you're an Eagles fan. I know you're not going to say that, but oh yeah, they they can they can, they can, they can I think they're going to compete. But number one in the NFC East is not the jinx anything. I don't see. I don't see Dallas winning the NFC East. I, I don't see it. Like you said, I'm number one. I'm an Eagles fan. About it, that you have a different winner every year for twenty plus years. That's kind of that's kind of leaning over into my bold prediction. But well, I mean, since since cats out of the bag, I think they're going to win the NFC East for a second year in a row. It's only right. I mean, they're the going to come started with, so I kind of feel like it'll be only right for everything to come full circle. With that being said, I mean, yeah. Dallas Cowboys aren't bums now. No, nah, definitely not. Definitely not. The quarterback, the quarterback is pretty close to being one, but that's besides the point. See, the craziest, the funniest thing about all this stuff is recency bias is crazy. And I mean, as an Eagles fan, I allow it. I will continue to allow it because the hell with them. But just purely speaking, recency bias is crazy. Like, he had one season where he threw 15 interceptions after he spent his whole career having one of the lowest interception rates in NFL history. Like, not just in the active players, in NFL history. Like, he typically don't throw picks. He had one bad year, and now people are like, look at him. He done. Finished. Dak is done. Trey Lance time. And it's like, this is pretty hilarious, y'all. Like, I mean, again, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm going to allow it. It's hilarious to me. But just realistically speaking, are we really going to do this? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I can respect it, man. I can respect it. Okay. True or false, number two. 
true or false? Jalen Carter will finish with four sacks on the season. Now, to give you some context, because that sounds simple, that sounds easy. I think there are only five, the five like pass rushers or defensive linemen over the modern history, at least, or over the last few years that have finished with five plus sacks or in their rookie year, three, three or more sacks in their rookie year. I know Aaron Donald was one of them. I know uh, Ed Oliver was one of them. It's a couple other guys that fit this list, but it's not a, a it's not a bunch of people on this list, especially guys that play defensive tackle. So it's easy to say four sacks. We can get that check, but just wanted to put that out there. I'm going to go true. Um, I think, in fact, I think he finishes with more than four sacks. Um, I think playing next to Jordan Davis, you know, learning, being able to learn from a guy like uh, Fletcher Cox um, in this defensive scheme, um, which we, you know, we kind of have yet to see, but just from the way everybody's talking, not only about him, but about Sean Desai in general, um, I think Jalen's going to have, I'm not going to say a big year, but I think he's going to, he's going to be, he's going to finish with over four sacks. Last but not least, true or false. The Eagles will have two 1,000 yard rushes. Oh, that's definitely false, brother. False. Yeah. I don't. You don't think it's a chance now? Again, just putting some some dust in the air. Jalen Hurts has had 700 yards rushing in each of the last two seasons. Like I said earlier, we had the conversation. They just said we didn't pay him not to use him. You don't think it's a chance that no sweat, I mean, that's sweat, Swift, Penny, nor Gainwell gets nah. 1,000? No. Nah. I don't see it. I really think they're going to lean into this committee approach, and it's going to be a matchup-based uh, running attack by game. Um, you know, there's been reports out of training camp that Kenneth Gainwell, they really like him. I don't think they signed Rashad Penny for no reason. Um, and, of course, they traded a draft pick for DeAndre Swift. So I really feel like they're going to lean into the whole uh, committee approach. Then in terms of Jalen, you know, like I said um, before, I really feel like Brian Johnson is going to lean more um, into Jalen the passer versus Jalen the runner. Like there aren't going to be a lot of called runs this year, which not to say that they're going to completely abandon it, but it's just the frequency with which they utilized them last year. I can't see them doing the same thing this year, especially when you consider the um, injury Jalen suffered and other things of that nature. I mean, I kind of get what you're saying. At the same time, like, it brings me back to the conversation of uh, if you're going to pay for the investment, you might as well use it. Or, you know, well, yeah, def- I mean, yeah, I, I see I see what you're saying. I'm just saying. Like, just... back to some of these other quarterbacks, like, I feel as if, like, if you remove the name Jalen Hurts, like, Lamar Jackson just got paid. Lamar Jackson also just came from off a season where he suffered an injury. You think Baltimore should dial back on some of the runs, even though that's that's some of the – I mean, and even if they do, like this isn't saying that Baltimore isn't going to open up the passing game a little more and all of that, like remembering what gets you to where you at and how effective where it is. Or even Chicago, Brandon Fields is on a rookie deal, but just hypothetically speaking, 
since he's coming off a knee injury from last year, we shouldn't run him as much this year? Well, I mean, again, it goes back to the whole finding the, the gray area between those two things, um, specifically on Lamar. I actually think they're going to throw the ball with him more because all the weapons they've um, added this offseason. And, um, Sad. yeah. Lamar, and then, Odell Beckham is on the injury report. Is he really? Yes, he has an ankle injury. Jesus. That's kind of depressing because I took Lamar's over for passing yards um, against Houston earlier today. I mean, but, he may play, but he's on the injury report, just letting you know. Yeah. But, again, man, I just, like, I really feel like with the Eagles, with Jalen specifically, like, I'm not saying they're just going to completely abandon utilizing him as a rusher in terms of called runs and it just all together. I just don't think it's going to be as much as we've seen the last two years with him as a starter. Understandable. Okay, so what we got next? What's two? Two more or less. So um, two more or less props. Uh, my first one is Jalen Hurts passing touchdowns. 30. Does he finish with more than 30 or less than 30 passing touchdowns? Brother, we got to get you into more gambling. The proper term is over or under. Over or under, more or less, same thing. 30 passing touchdowns. Less. I can see him approaching about 27, 28. I do feel like Again, like the same conversation we keep having, he's too valuable as a runner. There will be times where we get into the red zone where a lot of other teams will throw fades or five and outs, things of that nature. We would just run quarterback sneak. Like, I mean, we're coming off a season where he had 10-plus rushing touchdowns. He broke, I believe he broke the record for most rushing touchdowns in the season by a quarterback. But, like, that just goes to show his worth as a rusher and did so this isn't to say that Jalen Hurts can't pass for more than 30 passing touchdowns we'll be lucky if he got 230 but it's a lot to be had on the ground okay and then for my second which you kind of touched on this with your uh with your I think it was your third true or false question but uh Jalen Carter um sacks does he finish with over seven or under seven under under there's too many bodies there he is not getting a seven like i was hearing some somebody say earlier like (laughs) imagine jalen carter like and it's crazy how much we do or don't see until you go back and watch the film but we'll sit back and talk about how jalen carter not doing this and that productive because we watching the stat sheet but how many reps would you go back and watch and see jalen carter utterly dominate his man toss him out of the way and is on his way to sacking the quarterback, but he misses because Hassan Reddick is just so damn fast. Like that happens. It happens like that. It's it's not going to be his fault. It's not going to be his fault. If he gets the seven, that'll be almost immaculate. That got to be some type of record or something. I have to check, but I think I might be willing to cap it off with like what I said four, but Okay, and those were the two more or less I had. So now, bold prediction time. You can go first, since we already know mine. We already discussed it. Bold prediction. For the 2023 season. 
Jalen Hurts will win the MVP. Not only will Jalen Hurts win the MVP, Jalen Hurts will be the second ever unanimous MVP. We are in the middle of the Jalen Hurts revenge tour. And I don't think you guys understand. Like, I, he spoke the other day, and I guess somebody asked him about a Super Bowl. And he basically said, oh, I'm over it. We got a game on Sunday. I'm worried about the opponent we got. I'm 100% focused on what I have to do. I'm 100% focused on what needs to be done this year. And a lot of people might look at that as, yeah, he understands we got to win games and just get back to what we was trying to do. Nah, 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 nah. Maybe for other people. For Jalen Hurts, it's I'm 100% focused on what needs to be done this year, as in I ain't losing that shit again. I ain't lose Like, just goes back to, I, I think it was Landon Dickerson, not Landon Dickerson, Jordan Maialata that tapped him on the shoulder after the Super Bowl. He was like, it's all right. We'll be back. And he was like, I know. I know. Like, and I spoke in a previous podcast about how us as fans feeling like this, the amount of pressure that shit put, not put only puts on the players, but just the team as a whole, brother. But I don't think you understand the fire that is burned under that young man right now. I mean, and- he said it, he said it himself at the, what was it, the pro football was it Hall of Fame or awards, some award ceremony? He said he didn't walk through the fire just to smell the smoke, bro. So he he knows. If anybody knows, Jalen knows. And it's like, I feel like I said this before, brother, but it's like the one thing that sticks with me for Jalen right now is when he was graduating, like it was the, the press conference after he lost the first round to LSU in the college football playoffs. And they was basically like, I know exactly where you're going. And he was like, the worst part about it is that I I can't come back and fix it. That's the worst part. I hate that. The fact that he had to go through that, and now that he has an opportunity in the league where it's like, well, you can fix this. What do you do, young man? It's kind of like him chasing the same ghost. I don't think he will. He won't let that go. It's going to be different, man. It's going to be different. If anybody's not going to let it go, it's going to be Jalen. But, um, you know, as you said, there is a game this week, and, you know, we've talked about the matchup. We've talked about a couple of, you know, um, things heading into the 2023 season. Um, Before we get out of here, give me a score prediction. Oh, buddy. 28-16. That's around the range that I'm going. I had it 33-17, Eagles. 16 because somebody's going to miss an extra point somewhere and they're going to have to try to go for two to double that back. But, yeah, it's just one of them games where you get it over with nice and early. Night nice and early, but you do what you got to handle business, do what gets to be, got to be done, and you get ready for Minnesota on Thursday, man. Yeah, and um, one last thing, uh, one last thing before we get out of here, like we like we've always done, uh, give us a, a betting prop to lock in. Oh, me? Yeah. Betting prop. It's the first game of the season. I have to take it. I'm going to take it. It's the easiest prop you're going to get. 
Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown, every time touchdown. We take that every single week. Every single week until it doesn't hit. And then we take it the next week because we know it's going to hit because it don't not hit two weeks in a row. That's how <laughs> it is. Oh, man, it's good to have Bird's football back. But um, as always, uh, on whichever podcast streaming platform you're listening on, be sure to leave us a like and a review. Um, we're going to be back. We're going to start doing uh, Monday after, I guess I should call it, or day after pods. Um, also, we're planning on getting the first one done on Monday. Um, but, yeah, uh, go Birds. Also, we might have something planned for y'all on Thursday. I don't know. I'm going to see if I can figure something out for y'all. I can't. Might be a spaces. Might be something. Might be a podcast. I can't guarantee you, but we're we going to do something for that Eagles game. Eagles, Vikings. Go Birds. We got we to gotta get something. We got to get something done. Primetime game season. Uh, home opener. We got to get something done. Like, comment, subscribe, man. We see you guys next time. What a little dub dub. Go Birds. Go Birds. Shout out Park.